I'm going to open us up in prayer. Uh, Lord, God, we just thank you for a moment that we get to come and learn of your character, Father. We thank you, God, that you just allow yourself to be known by humans. And, and not only humans, but you allow yourself to be known by, by children, by the least of these, God, and you draw near to us. You come to our defense, Father. So, Lord, in this moment, I just pray that we would uh, draw near to you, that we would humble ourselves, that we might be able to experience you as a child. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Uh, one, one thing that, that we can all testify to, those of us that are in student ministry, uh, being co-laborers for, for the youth, is that God is every bit as capable and, and willing to speak through the mouths of children as he is to speak through the mouths of the most sanctified of us. Uh, what I, I see time and time again that God uses those whom we would least expect to, to bless or to teach or to, or to bring the kingdom to earth. And, and time and time again, I'm shocked at, at how counterintuitive God is with, with the people whom he uses and how he chooses to glorify himself. Uh, God makes himself fully known to children in, in such a beautiful way. And, and time and time again, we see through scripture that God uses this group of people that we know as the least of these. And the least of these, we see them in the prophets, the gospels, and the Sermon on the Mount. And, and the least of these is comprised of five types of people, and it's these. It's the poor, the brokenhearted, the sick, the defenseless, and children. Over and over again in the scriptures, this underrepresented people group experience incredible representation in the eyes of God. And we're going to be diving into one of those instances, and it's found in Matthew 19. So if you have your Bibles on you, or, or in student ministry, we call them our swords because that's much cooler for students. Go ahead and open your swords to Matthew 19. We'll be in verses 13 through 15. And it says this, then some children were brought to him, it's speaking of Jesus, so that he may lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying his hands on them, he departed from there. So this text, it speaks of three different people. It speaks of Jesus and then it speaks of the people who brought the children to the feet of Jesus. And then it speaks of the children themselves. So we're going to get in and explain each of these types of people. But I'd like to start with our Lord Jesus. Uh, one academic says of this passage that it's the loveliest incident that occurs in all of the Gospels. It shows us that our Lord Jesus is, is one whom children love. And, and he also loves children. It shows us that, that Jesus is willing to withdraw from, from glory, from, from adults, from responsibilities, whatever the case, he's willing to withdraw to spend his time ministering to the least of these. Well, what this should tell us is that in our schedules and in our lives, we have to live at a pace where we can create margin to um, just lose the, the responsibilities of earth, but be responsible for the kingdom of heaven, amen? Amen. At this point in, in Jesus' ministry, he was a, a polarizing, notable leader. And he decided to remove himself from earthly glory in order to spend time with children. And not only did he spend time loving on these children and, and blessing these children, but he also came to their defense when the disciples said, hey, you guys got to go. 
Jesus defends the least of these, he loves the least of these, and he spends his moments ministering to the least of these. The, the disciples, they found that, that Jesus' time was too valuable to be spent on children, but Jesus found the children too valuable to have spent his time on anything else. We're, we're typically, we're so convinced in, in our lives that, that uh, the most important people in the room are the people that have the highest capacities to, to work hard, to get things done, to make decisions, that they're the wealthiest or they're the decision makers or uh, the most productive. But, but we're reminded time and time again through the scriptures that the most important person to God is the person that's near to him and it's the lowly. And in Christ's kingdom, children are equally as capable of influencing others for his kingdom and his purposes as the most intelligent, as the most capable. It's, it's amazing, I'm, I'm reminded so frequently. Um, I, I learn equally from students as I do from my seminary professors at, when I was in school. It, children are so much more capable than we would oftentimes consider. And, and I think it's, it's crazy to consider that, that God so often uses the least of these uh, because when he uses the least of these, he's glorified in a way that's completely contrary to the way that man is glorified on earth. And when his glory is juxtaposed to the way that the, the world is glorified, he becomes all the more beautiful and noticeable in our eyes. This, this passage, it also speaks to those who were brought, uh, were brought to the feet of Jesus, or, or excuse me, to those who were the bringers of the children to the feet of Jesus. And, and uh, academics believe that it was the mothers who, who brought their children to Jesus. And, and why this is important is because women at this time were not the spiritually elite, so they were risking their reputation, they were risking shame, but they knew that whatever was required of them, their, hand, their, their children were in better hands in the hands of Jesus than they were in their own. And it was a blessing of Jesus that would be greater than any perfect system of parenting. It was gonna be a blessing and, and time spent with their Lord that would be better than any earthly effort. And so these women were, were willing to do whatever was required of them, even if it meant exhausting themselves to get their children into the presence of Jesus. And so my, my hope for us as a church is that, is that we are willing to be these bringers, that we would be willing to make ourselves like these women that, that would fight for the least of these and bring them into the presence of our Savior. Man, and when we come to understand who our Lord is, that he has eternal power, he's, he's infinite, he's vast, yet knows each of us intimately, has the power to forgive sins, and draws near to the least of these, man, we should be on mission to bring people to this person, amen? Amen. As a youth minister, I, I can tell you that, that uh, I, I experience people who are bringers and how effective that ministry is. We have a, a mother in our ministry. Her name is Tawny Jordan, and she has two seventh graders. And uh, every time that we have a middle school event, she, she shoves as many middle schoolers into her 12-passenger beat-up van as possible and, and gets them to this event. And it's because of her understanding that God makes himself completely knowable and completely glorified in the hearts of children that she's willing to make such efforts. She's willing to exhaust herself if necessary because she knows that if a student encounters Jesus, Jesus will draw near, meet them there, and glorify himself in the lives of that student. 
Yes, and so I, I know that we have several other, other parents that are sold out to this mission, and I know that for the duration of camp, we had so many students attend camp as a result of our parents calling their friends and contending that their children needed to join us at camp to spend a week with Jesus, and it's because of their understanding of God's character that they would do such things. So would we as a church also be sold out to this same mission? Lastly, I, I believe that this passage, it tells us something of, of young people. I think so frequently we, uh, we consider young people the next generation and, and we think that they need to be uh, equipped and trained and developed and, and then eventually maybe if they do the right things, they'll take the reins, right? But, but what I would contend and what I believe that Jesus suggests in this passage as well is that the, the next generation is not just the generation of the future, but it's also the generation of today. In fact, in this passage, Jesus says that it's those that have the characteristics of children that inherit the kingdom. I'd like to direct us to a quote by Charles Spurgeon, and it says this. It is by the prayers of children that prosperity will be brought to the great cause, and it is by their mouths that they shall bombard and batter the power of the enemy from the ramparts of prayer. And so shall bring an overthrow upon evil and error, and God's word shall be triumphant. Golly, is that good? Man, that's good. So, so with, this, with this in mind, what, what I would suggest is that we went to, to camp for five days, but, but we didn't just go to camp for five days and have a watermelon eating contest and dance by the beach and play goofy games. But, but in fact, we spent five days waging war on the powers of darkness with the joy of the Lord as our strength. What, what, what I would like to suggest is that through the, the children's laughter, through playfulness, and through goofiness, we launched artillery at Satan. Amen. Right, let's go. Let's go. Come on. And I, I'd like to direct us real quick to a passage. It's going to be 1 Corinthians 1.27, and it says this. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And, and with this in mind, what we can know is that, that children are, are not in fact incapable of doing things for God's kingdom, but, but in fact children are on the front lines of spiritual warfare. So, so we, we believe that children are, are actually the, the special forces of God's kingdom and, and God is ready to empower them and use them to wage war against the enemy. So, so when we were doing these goofy things like a, a watermelon eating contest or, or just kayaking for hours or laughing insistently, it, it wasn't goofiness or foolishness, but in fact it reflected the wisdom of God. And, and it showed us the characteristics that are required to get into the kingdom of heaven. That there's something that, that occurred at camp that I'll never forget. And uh, this camp, so they required everybody to go on this hike from our campgrounds to the, the town of Avalon. And, and they said it was a five-mile hike, which, like, we know, it, like, that's pretty long. But, but they're like, hey, it's, you just got to get up that first little incline, and then you're good to go. You just got, but, but what we found out later is they completely undersold what this hike really was. It was, it was absolutely brutal. And so... 
So anyways, we, we start on this hike, and, and I've, been, uh, I've been training for an Ironman that I'm doing in the fall, so I was like, man, I'm, I'm a beast. I can take this. I can, I can do this thing myself, and so, so I, I was going to run this, and so I, I began to run up this mountain, and quickly I realized it was not going to be so much of a run, but, but I... <laughs> But I got to the top, and when I got to the top, the second person that got to the top of this mountain was one of our seventh graders named Damian. And, and so, yeah, give it up for Damian. You just wait, though. You just wait. It gets crazier. So, so we get to the top of this mountain, and I'm doing my best to catch my breath. And, and Damian says, hey, let's, let's go ahead and, and run down the rest of this mountain together. And I'm like, all right, dude, all right, you're, you're asking for it, Damian, but let's, let's check it out. Let's see what you got. And so we run down this mountain, and, and the, actually I have a picture of the view. The ta- yeah, it's, it was stunning. Yeah, Avalon was, was beautiful. It was a pleasure to be there. But, but so anyways, as we finished this hike and we approached the bottom of this descent, by the way, the climb was about 1,500 feet. So when we get to the bottom of this descent, I, I look over at Damian and then I, I look over at his shoes and I realize that he had been wearing Crocs. <laughs> and so, and so what, what, this, what this told me is... is uh, and surely this is not a, a spiritual instance, but, but what it does remind me of is it reminds me of the capacity of children. Amen. That they are so much more capable than we are led to believe. And that they can influence God's kingdom if we would empower them. And they can wage war on the enemy if we would put them on the front lines. So, so church, I, I believe that, that we need to be in the business of training and equipping these children to become men and women of God. But, but what I also believe is that it can't be through thwarting their laughter. And it can't be through stopping their song. And, and in fact, I think many of us who are grown in the room, I think, I think maybe you need to be restored to the ways of your childhood. I think so frequently re- we rely on our earthly capacities and capabilities and productivity and position and, and our ability to accumulate wealth. But, but here's the deal, in God's counterintuitive kingdom, none of those things matter. In fact, the only currency that's worth anything to the heart of God is the praises sung from his children's mouth for all of eternity. And, and the beautiful thing that I found at camp is that, man, we have some students that are rich in that currency and they're willing to pay it to Jesus Christ for all of eternity. So are we those people? Are we willing to pay that price? I think so often uh, we become uh, just pessimistic about what the future holds. I think we, uh, we often think to ourselves uh, the things that we see on social media and, and the school system and the social changes and the political climate and whatever else, we think to ourselves that, that we may be doomed and that our next generation is in trouble and, and we are not in good shape. But what I can tell you at, at North Phoenix students is that we have some spiritual special forces, right? We have some spiritual Marines that I'm excited to put on the front lines and they are so capable of influencing others for the kingdom of God. And I've been encouraged being able to see God work through their lives to edify the church. And I'm excited to see what he will do in the years to come. And, and today we actually have an opportunity to hear from them ourselves. My name is Dan Petukang and I'm 16 years old. My name is Daniela Petukang and I am 16 years old. Well, we moved here in 2014, and God told our mom to read the Bible every single day and night. And obviously as a kid who didn't really know so much about God, 
I was very confused, but I started just praying like five, 10 seconds prayers, just telling God, hey God, be with me, amen, just those prayers. But the more I kept doing it, the more I heard looking back now, the Holy Spirit telling me to go talk to Him more. And I remember this specific day, I felt I felt the weight of my sin and I saw I saw myself the way God saw me as as a sinner who needed him and so I locked myself in my mom's in my mom's room and I remember asking God for forgiveness and, and asking him to come into my life well since our moms did these uh, morning and evening uh, devotional times uh, it's been going on for as long as I can remember now and so through that uh, God began to really work on my heart and He began to uh, let me see that I needed a Savior and that He was that Savior. And so in 2020, I picked up my Bible and started reading it. And I read Isaiah 54 verse 9. And right here, God is talking to the children of Israel about a day of restoration. And He's basically saying that to me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I swore not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my love for you will always remain. And that's when I realized that God really loves and that God loves me. Even the worst of sinners, He still loves me. And that melted my heart and that opened my heart to the Savior that He really is. So, so we are not allowed to use our electronics throughout the week. But in order to get our phones, we have to do a certain amount of Bible verses correctly. I have realized the power that lies in memorizing the Word of God. And the more and more I started growing, growing my relationship with Jesus, uh, the more the devil obviously comes and lies to us to separate us from Christ. But every time he'll come and, and tell me, hey, like God is done with you. No, I actually recite to him in Romans 8 where he says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, and those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. So God is telling me through those verses that, Daniela, I'm not done with you. Yes, you might have messed up, but it's a process and you will be with me um, af af after this life. And when I hear the enemy telling me, hey, God doesn't love you anymore, I can respond back to him in Romans 8 where he says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. So just those verses, like the word of God has so much power. So that's one way of discipleship in our house. That discipleship has always stayed stayed with us, and I think that's what really uh, distinguished me from everyone uh, at uh, my school, because if it wasn't for those uh, times, I would probably be doing bad stuff and not be in church and not loving God. Like the Bible says to train a child in the way that he should go, and that when they're old, he will not depart from it. And so now I know for a fact that I will never depart from it because I've, I have been trained. As a teenager, we, we look at Instagram and we look at, at other models and, and, and we ask ourselves like, am I actually beautiful? But when I ask God, who is my father, he tells me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made in Psalm 139 verse 14. So God has really mended my heart and he has shown me that he is a good, good father. Now uh, at our school, we have a goal to get as many people as we can to get to know Jesus. Yeah, definitely, like God has really pressed that on our hearts. It was really, really scary at first, but the more we did it, the more we felt joy and the more we realized that that's why we are really here for. It's for the Great Commission and there's really nothing else. Jesus is the only one that you really need. 
Like we could try social media, we could try anything else, but if you try Jesus, you know that you've made the best decision of your life. And that when you get to know Jesus, there's no going back because he will love you, he will stay with you. Like the, the Christian life is not a life of of everything is fine, but no, it's like that. You never have to go through anything alone, never again, ever. Jesus is holy, so that means that he is like no other, and he is good, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be your friend, he will cry with you, he will laugh with you, and he will guide you in everything that you do. Incredible. Spiritual special forces, am I right? All right. Man, I, I don't know if, if you guys caught this because I, I just saw it for the first time, but, but as they were reciting scripture, I just saw in their faces such joy and assurance of who God is in their lives. Every time they recited scripture, their face just glowed. Man, what a beautiful thing to see young people so acquainted with the things of God. Amen. Amen. One, one funny experience that we had at camp is, is the camp, they called me two days before we, we departed and they were like, hey Dawson, like, look, we know that you guys have a bigger group coming. Do you guys by chance have anybody that's like inclined musically or anything? And I was like, yeah, I think we got a couple. And, and it was actually Dan and Daniela that led worship experience for all of camp. So, so they, yeah, give it up. Incredible. Incredible. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I, I don't know where you guys uh, find yourself in the room today, but, but if I was a betting man, I, I'd say that you probably find yourself in, in one of two places. And, and I think many of us, we've, we've sold out to our earthly capabilities. We, we've sold out to being productive, to, to being wise in the ways of the world, to intelligence, but we've sold our spirit as children of the Most High King. Or, or some of us, I think that we may be in here and we may be brokenhearted and we may be down on our luck. We feel dismissed and abandoned. But I want to tell you, in the same way that Jesus defended those children, Jesus defends you. He defends the least of these. And so wherever you're at in the room, I would just ask, uh, we're going to go into one more song of worship. And I would just ask that you survey your heart and figure out where, where you're at with, with God. Maybe you're one of those people in, in the room today and you need to be reconciled and restored to the ways of your youth. That way you could see God as a father and be known to him as his son or daughter. Or, or maybe you're in the room and you just need a touch of his presence because you are down, dismissed, and abandoned. And God is here for that person too, ready to pick you up, ready to come to your defense. Man, we serve a good God, amen? Amen. I'm gonna go ahead and pray us into our time of worship. Uh, dear Lord, God, we're just grateful for your character, who you are in our lives, Lord, that you don't think of any human as, as too small or incapable, but yet, God, you draw near to the least of these. Father, if, if there are any of us in here in a moment of need, Father, would you reveal yourself? It's only a blessing from Jesus, God. It's only by your touch that we can be restored. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for today. Thank you for your character. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.